we met a gentleman named Brian, our, our future business partner, and he told us, he didn't even really even tell us about the Burrs method. He just told us about the refinance part of it. He's like, why don't you just take your property to a small local bank? You own it cash with a private lender, right? We're like, yeah, he's like, they'll give you a loan for 80% of the appraised value and just take that money and pay back your private lender. And I was just, I don't think I grasped it at first, but that one conversation, that one two or three sentence conversation changed everything. You're listening to the Ordinary Guys Extraordinary Wealth Podcast. Hosted by us, Sam Prim and Lucas Walls, investors, entrepreneurs, and best friends. Two millennial Midwesterners who started a real estate side hustle and now own $40 million in rentals without using any of our own money. Now we're two average guys teaching other people how to use real estate investing to create financial freedom and generational wealth. If you're ready to learn how to take control of your future using real estate investments the simple way and have fun while doing it, you're in the right place. Let's start today's show. Hello, welcome to Ordinary Guys, Extraordinary Wealth. My name is Sam. And I'm Lucas. Today's going to be a fun day. We're actually live streaming on YouTube as we're recording this. So if you're listening to this through most likely your iPhone, but maybe your Android phone or whatever, you didn't know it, but it was live on YouTube about a week ago. Yeah, there's not a lot of editing that goes on in our podcast. So I think the live's just going to really show how talented we really are. Exactly. Yeah. And I'm like talking to people <laughs> in the future. Isn't that kind of cool? Yes. All right. So today's going to be good. We got this going. We're on TV. Say, Lucas, hi, I'm on TV. Hi, mom. Mm, Say mm, it. Okay. Mm. All right. He's not going to do that. All right. So today we're going to talk about our very, very first deal. We're trying something new. We're, you know, going live. We're doing all this fun stuff. And I thought it'd be a good episode to take a step back in time and talk about our very first deal. Because when I say, you know, we own 40 million in real estate, or actually say I own it, but we own it, $40 million in real estate, that's not super relatable. Right. Not very many people own that much and not very many people actually own anything. So going back, I think, and talking about our very first deal, let's kind of walk through the months leading up to our first deal and the months after our first deal to give a little bit of perspective on how things usually go at first. Because now it's kind of a machine in a cool way that yeah. I haven't even seen our you know last 30 rentals, but the first one we were both very, very involved in. For sure. Yeah. And I, this is one of my favorite stories of all time. So I'm excited to talk about it. So That's if you want me to get it kicked off, I'm, I'm here for you, man. All right. Well, you kick it off because I don't think you're going to be very happy with me when we get to the the rant today. Because today's rant's ab about you and a, a certain time in your life and, and how you acted in a certain time in your life. So, All right. Well, you excited about that? I'm excited. Yeah. I'm ready to judo chop in the words of Sam Prim. All right. That's a, a spoiler alert. Yep. Cool. So, yeah, back in the day, so um, after school, after college, I moved to Kansas City. Sam moved to St. Louis, and uh, we kind of were f falling in love with real estate on our own, diving into books, and uh, really figured out, hey, let's do this thing. And I moved back to Jay's St. Getting Louis. getting deodorant out of his bag. You're in Kansas City. Yeah, in Kansas City. Moved back to St. Louis in uh, December of 2020. 13, I believe. So, um, and I moved back in with my future mother-in-law. So my girlfriend's mom. But your girlfriend was there too, right? Yes. And how big All was the house? Them. Yeah, I don't know. About about 900 square foot. So, I mean, take. but so, uh, so us three and three big dogs that's too, where I was and getting, two cats. That's where I was going. So it, yeah, it, it was definitely tight. The, at the time, my mother-in-law just got her real estate license, my future mother-in-law. And I, I was like perfect because we started getting interested in real estate too. So we would look 
uh, on the MLS. I was like, didn't know what the MLS was. And if, if you don't know what it is now, that's okay. It's just where like this, you know, I don't know even how to describe the MLS, but it's all the data that agents have access it's to. It's on the interwebs. On the interwebs, all the listings and stuff. So that's where the only way we knew how to find deals. And back in 20, at the beginning of 2014, that's... Uh, there were a lot of deals out there, a lot of foreclosures, a lot of bank owned properties. So we would sit in her kitchen, like stay up late at night and just like fire off these offers and figure out what we're going to go look at the next day. And then my, my wife, my future wife was like, you, we can't be living in my mom's house and you buy an investment property. Right. So this time I still had an engineering job. So we bought our, bought our house. And then like three months later, we closed on our first investment property that we found on the MLS. It was a foreclosure. And, uh, I, I say that because yeah, MLS deals are few and far between, but if you get a good agent and set you up a search, we've bought two this past month on the MLS. So that's still possible to execute the burst strategy on the MLS these days. Yeah, for sure. So Ashley put her big old foot down and said, we're moving to our own house first. Yes. It's a little bit sarcastic because Ashley's a very small person and probably has a very small foot. Yeah. She packs a wallop. She packs a wallop. I like it. So we got into real estate a little bit or talked about it. Um, and then, you know, we decided we were going to do it and being, you know, a little bit more prepared. We're not like just crazy and jump. We started an LLC uh, to us. get the ball rolling. So yeah. I always, people ask me, should you start an LLC or not? I always say yes. You know, whether you've done a few deals or not, or you haven't, you know, you never know if you'll do a, de a few deals. You can get LLCs done for on your own, legal Zoom, lawyer. There's a lot of different ways to do it. We'll talk about how we did it, but I think having an LLC is important. I think you're going to, you know, you can say you're a small business owner. You can, you're going to make logos. You're going to make an email address. You're going to make, you know, business cards, whether you really use them or not, you're going to do it. And it's just fun. It makes it more fun to me as well as it makes you treat it more like a business. If it's a side hustle with not an LLC or using your personal funds and this and that, and it's kind of like a little bit of just all over the place. But if you start an LLC, business bank account, business credit card, like all these things, it just feels more real and more exciting to me. So I think just just your actual mindset and like what it does for you. I think it's super important to, L to start an LLC, not just the legalities or the accounting reasons. So we started ours, you remember the month? April. April of 2014. 2014 yep. Yep. And uh, where were we? Do you remember? We were at a Cybergs. It was a bar we were at before a softball game. Yeah. A softball game there in, in Chesterfield, Missouri. We ended up winning that spring league that year. I remember we did. that. We were pretty... Pretty talented. We were, I mean, come on now. Yeah. Uh, Chesterfield, you know, men's softball league. We were so talented. I was just such a dominant pitcher. I yeah. Think. You, yeah. You just were so floating good. Floating it. Floating it and letting them crush it to me at third over there. Yeah. But anyway, so yeah, we had a few drinks in us. So we started um, our LLC. We tried, I remember specifically, we tried WP properties. Your name is Walls. Last name is Walls. My last name is Prim. So we tried WP properties, um, LLC that was taken. We tried WP investments that was taken. So we're like, well, it's Walls and Prim, so let's just do a WAP Properties LLC. This was 2014. This was 2014, and um, it's an unfortunate name that we picked. Or fortunate. Or fortunate, depending on, you know, all press is good press kind of thoughts. Um, so it was not ideal because we called it WAP, and that is a derogatory, derogatory term, term. For, for Italian Americans. It, yeah. That's actually WOP, yep. so it's not even spelled the same, but, you know, I just got, we got some people like, not like actually mad, but like, oh, Oh, you know, what do you got against Italians or, oh, that's a drag. Like, no, it's WAP. It stands for walls and prim, whatever. That WAP. was a little annoying, but WAP. But we tried to call it WAP for a while, but not a big deal. But then I think 2019-ish, old uh, 
Bacardi is was I think her stripper name, and then she changed it to Cardi B. But so you did know that about Cardi B? It I was, did. Okay, well, yeah. yeah, big fan you are. I know. Probably a subscriber only fan. She spits hot fire. She spits hot fire. She I do like her music. Anyways, she came out with the song. WAP and it does not stand for Walls and Prims or Waffles and Pancakes. So that was kind of unfortunate on our part. And we ended up kind of, we still have that LLC that owns things, but we kind of changed our public facing name to Owns things. It owns like 50 houses. It owns like WAP properties, owns like 50 houses. It's our most valuable LLC, has the most assets. Has the most assets, for sure. Um, So we changed it to uh, Midwest Property Group. So, anyways, that's just a little behind the scenes BTS, as we call it in the biz. Yeah. So we started our LLC and then. You moved to your new house yep. and we started, I was in my house and we started to make offers. Yeah. Started to go and look at maybe, I don't know, five houses a weekend. We were, we looked at a lot of houses before we, maybe not that quite that many, but you know, four to five houses a week and we'd make offers on most of them that mm-hmm. we saw. And then it took us from, so yeah, so April, we started the LLC, uh, May, I moved into my house. So I was free to 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 go take down an investment property and then i think we found the one we wanted in july so it took us about two months mm-hmm. you know seeing four or five houses a week uh with robin it was all in the mls robin's my mother-in-law we're buying canada so she would go show us these properties on the weekend or or after work some days and uh we found the one we wanted in in july and closed on it in uh in august Nice. And what was our plan with that that first house, Lucas? Do you remember the plan? Yeah, the plan was to to buy it, rehab it, and sell it, and then take that profit and use that profit as a down payment on a rental property. Yeah, because as we knew up to that point, you can, you know, borrow money to buy flips, but that's short term. You know, I remember watching, you know, HGTV and seeing, I think, uh, Christina and Tarek El Musa with mm-hmm. a flipper flop. I remember them going to like some rich guy or lawyer's house and that he would fund it and they would split the profit with them. So I knew you could borrow money. So we ended up borrowing money from a private lender. We just recorded that episode a couple of days ago. So it, by the time you hear this one, it'll, it'll have been out on the podcast network about private lenders. But I knew you could borrow money, but nobody's, nobody's going to want to give you money for 20, 20 or 30 years, like a mortgage. So I didn't know how to do rental properties and you didn't either besides putting 20% down cash and right. bank financing the other 80% and we did not have the 20% cash at right. the time so we ended up buying it with the plans to fix it up but during that process we met a gentleman named Brian our, our future business partner and he told us he didn't even really even tell us about the burrs method he just told us about the refinance part of it he's like why don't you just take your property to a small local bank you own it cash with the private lender right we're like yeah he's like they'll give you a loan for 80 percent of the appraised value and just take that money and pay back your private lender and i was just i don't think i grasped it at first but that one conversation that one two or three sentence conversation changed everything yeah and I, he has some pre-qualifying questions about the property because not every flip would make a good rental but this particular one would be was good at both. It would be a good rental and would have made a good flip. So instead of you know having to do three separate steps, no, I guess two separate steps. You know, buy a house, flip it, sell it, profit, and then buy a house, put a down payment on, and that's your rental. We could just do that all and cut out half the time and, and keep that house as a rental because we were able to buy it at a big enough discount and build in enough equity with adding value with our rehab. So our 20% came from finding it at a discount, adding value instead of cash on a retail property. Yeah, I think you said something important there. Not every flip makes a good rental, but I mean, Technically, every good rental can make a good flip. Yeah. So you got to have the discipline. I have people, you know, and students kind of all the time say, 
I want to sell this because I can make 30 grand. Every good Burr deal, you're going to have 20, 30, maybe 40% equity. So mm-hmm. every good rental property you do with the Burr's method, you're going to be able to sell it and make 20, 30, 40 grand, maybe even more. So, you know, if you don't need the cash, kind of a side little bar here, you know, you got to have the discipline to not sell them all if you want to keep them long-term as rentals. So yeah. it's kind of an interesting thought process. That's what we call Lucas coin turbulence. You know, when me and Lucas have conversations, I just do a lot of sidebars, but when a plane hits turbulence, it's still going forward. It's just a little bumpy. So the conversation is still going the right direction. I just add a little bumps. I love that. I think there's a lot to that. You know, that equity is is so powerful. And I I look at it as a delayed gratification, right? You obviously need cash to pay your bills, whether that's wholesaling or flipping or your day job. But if you can delay that gratification to 5, 10, 20, 30 years, that equity is just going to build. Those tax benefits are just going to compound. And uh, you're going to be a lot better spot off than you are in the future if you hold on to that property than you were if it's selling, if yeah. it cash flows. Yeah. And we were making an outline for a YouTube video yesterday and we were just talking about equity. That's the play. Like I was talking to our, our YouTube um, script writers and, you know, trying to explain things to them because they're not real estate experts and equity's the play. That's what you want. Nobody's a millionaire or billionaire, not nobody, but very few people are millionaires or multimillionaire billionaires because of the cash they have or the cash flow they collect. It's because the equity they have in businesses or in properties, usually one of the two. So people become super, super wealthy or really wealthy or kind of wealthy through equity, not through cash. Like Jeff Bezos, richest guy, one of the richest people in the world. He got a lot, he has a lot of cash, but it's through the equity in mm-hmm. Amazon. It's just, and that's grown over time. It's the same thing with real estate. You know, it can grow over time unless you have Amazon. It's not going to grow substantially that quickly. But the beautiful thing about real estate is it grows steadily and you can multiply it. You can do 50 properties in a year, 10 properties in a year. So that little bit of equity gain you get compounded on 10, 20, 30, 40 properties a year over a period of time can create a shit ton of wealth quickly. Yep. And you just got to make sure that in, in the real estate world of things that equity's great, right? It's super powerful, generational type wealth. But if that house doesn't cash flow and you're just looking for equity and you know, there's a the softening or a downturn like there like there could be right now. You know, you might be in trouble. So make sure every single house cash flows positive after all expenses and you have that equity. That's a good point. I think we'll do we'll do an episode. I just actually had a, a Business Insider article come out today about five tips to invest during a recession because I think you should keep investing during a recession. So that'll be a um, podcast episode coming up soon. All right. So I think we covered that a little bit. We kind of tease a little bit the the passive wealth trifecta with the equity that I want to talk about and use this first run of property as an example. So let's kind of walk through the deal. So we ended up buying it for about $77,000. We got it um, on the MLS as a pre-foreclosure, yep. bank owned, 77 grand. Our private lender gave us um, money for that. And then the rehab ended up costing right around $22,000. Mm-hmm. So we had $99,000 of our private lender, Steve's money in the deal. And again, just go back a couple episodes or one or two episodes at this point where we talk in the entire episodes about private lenders and a lot about Steve. So I don't want to you know, double down on that. So we got the money from Steve, 99 grand. We bought it. We fixed it up. We called during that process. How many small or how many banks, I guess, did we call? 25. And how many said yes? Uh, one. Correct. So we were... A, we were calling like, I remember calling Bank of America. They're like, what are you even talking about? And like these big banks. So we called big box banks. We called, you know, smaller banks and we just weren't able to articulate what we were doing or didn't have the experience. And it was, you know, 2014 timeframe where, you know, the market was just starting to recover. Yeah. Not Um, even really. Not even. So we were told no a lot, but we finally found a bank 
that said yes, and they did an 80% cash out refinance. So I'll let you take it from here, but the property appraised for 125 grand. So they, you know, to keep it simple, they wrote us a check for $100,000 that we now have had a mortgage on at the time at 6%, which everybody freaks out about interest rates. They're 6% now. So 2014, it was the same. And 20 year AM. And a 20 year AM. So it was, it was, you know, it paid off over a short period of time at a pretty high interest rate, but it worked. It was our only option. Yeah. And do we you had, remember what that monthly payment was on that I, one? I mean, we should probably. 438, maybe you know, something like that. That's not no, right. No, it's higher than that. Six at 38? Either way. It's something. I don't remember the monthly payment on our first property. Sorry. I don't either. I don't either. That's what I'm saying. So, I think it was like seven something, but we can do the math, whatever. But, you know, we're getting 1295 for rent. So you got to obviously pay for have your rent be able to pay for the mortgage but there's other expenses on top of that to make sure you still have some cash flow positive left yep for sure so we got a hundred grand check we paid back steve ninety nine thousand. our private lender's name is steve we paid him back ninety nine thousand plus a thousand dollars that he got in his probably five month investment we had the long term figured out we had the cash flow enough to cover our mortgage plus owning expenses and a little bit left over i'll get into the kind of how that compounds over time but quick little side note we Steve was owed like 104,000, 103,000, not yeah. 100 and 100,000 even. So kind of talk a little bit about what we did to, cause we had it probably, but not much more than we could have written him a check for four grand, but we didn't want to and didn't really have the money at the time. Yeah. Ideally with the, the Burr's strategy or a sale of a house, whatever you do to pay your private lender back, you would have enough money to do that with that particular deal. This deal fell a little short of that, probably because we didn't even have a formula that we were buying at. <laughs> so nowadays we have formulas that we buy at, you know, 75% of ARV minus repairs to help us allow help us execute the burst strategy on the back end we didn't have that formula at the time nope so ideally we would have you know it would have priced for 130 and our loan would have been 104,000, and then we would have been able to pay back steve 100 just with that deal not just his principal balance but his uh his return as well so paid back his principal balance and a little bit of his return on this one because it only uh appraised for 125 but uh then we had a decision to make. We, we were just upfront and honest with, with our private lender, and uh, we asked him if we can roll that amount into the next deal now that we knew how to execute the burst strategies. And that's what we did. We rolled it into the next deal, and we were able to recapture all the interest that Steve was owed on uh, the second deal plus the amount that we uh, rolled over from the first deal. Yeah, the second deal, that was that was a little bit better. Juicier. Of, a little bit juicier. Villadana. Of a deal. Villadana, yep. So... Before I, I'm, I want to show people the power of real estate with the passive wealth trifecta hashtag fast freedom original, but I want to do it after the rant because I want to talk about what the property's worth now and what the mortgage is paid down to and how much cash flow we collected just to show the power of that one property. And that's, I don't know, we say foreshadowing and spoiler alert all the time. I think we use them wrong. I think we use the wrong lingo. Perfect. I think they mean different things. Yeah, I don't care really. Okay. It's the good news. That's, that is good yeah. news. All right. So let's get to, let's get <laughs> on to the rant today. Lucas is, I, maybe he'll like it. Maybe he won't. And then we'll yeah. get on to the passive wealth trifecta. I think so, I love it. The rant is um you know how how people can change so lucas from about 19 to 22 was a, an aggressive individual i've been in like probably five fist fights in my life and all five of them you've been involved in one time we got in a fist fight against each other the other four times were at You're bars welcome. with you. You're welcome. And thinking about it, like we're not like I tough had, guys. Someone's got to toughen you up. Five fights in like a two or three year period. That's a lot of actual physical altercations. Yeah. Like one of the time How we got since? handcuffed. How many since? We were handcuffed outside of a bar. 
behind our back because you were just an aggressive individual at the time. You'd go to bars and you would uh, have a couple too many apple juices and you would try to fight somebody. So yeah. do you, I'm offering your time to defend yourself. Uh, I don't want to defend myself. Let's talk about you changing. Over, no, over that no we're, this episode is not about me. That can be the next one. But S- Sam would go to a bar in his sweatpants, I first of all, yeah. and then uh, go watch Cardinals game by himself in the basement instead of going out with us to the next bar. Yes, I, I, I did do that. And I continue <laughs> to do that a little bit. Yeah, We so all can change. And it's that's so it's a beautiful thing. These are Look at these, your fit now. Look, at this is a fresh fit yeah. for sure. Built for sure. But anyways, yeah, I just wanted to uh, to just let give everybody a little bit of life. I feel like just peel back the, the onion on us a little bit. And, um, you know, no, not tough guys, but uh, it was a couple of years I got in a few fist fights, and Lucas was either um, the cause of it or uh, actually was the cause of all of them. So. Yeah, I mean, that's 100% accurate. We, we all can grow. <laughs> I think I've uh, released a lot of that anger that, that I had built up inside back then. me. Yeah, yeah every, I tell that to some people. They're like, what? Lucas is like the most chill, relaxed yeah. person ever. I was like... Yeah, back in the day. Got it got it all out of my system. Got it all out of his system. I don't know if Dakota or Jaden knew that, did you guys? So surprised you a little bit, doesn't it? Oh, Ooh, he could hey. see a little bit. Ooh, watch yourself, Jaden. A little spicy. Anyways, all right. So that was that was wasn't really random. I just kind of wanted yeah. to put you on the spot, try to embarrass you a little bit, but didn't really work. All right. So the passive wealth trifecta is something that is Basically that it's passive and it's a wealth building and there's three parts to it. And I want to show this first property as an example. So, you know, over time, properties go up in value in real estate. They do. They've never gone down in a 10-year period in the history. So you go back any 10-year period you pick from the beginning of it to the end of it, any dates in the entire history of the U.S., I guess from 1900 on, they go up. So yeah, And historically, you know, that percentage is like... It's not huge. It's like two or three percent, mm-hmm. kind of similar to inflation yep. has been. That, right? I think they're linked, obviously. So yeah, they've gone up more, and sometimes they go down. But overall, it goes up. That's just what real estate does if you manage it properly. And then if you're collecting rent and managing it properly, again, this is assuming all of that. The property mortgage gets paid down. So you know you can't see it for the uh, listening, but you know my right hand is moving up as properties go up in value. My left hand is moving down. That wow. means the mortgage is getting paid down. But that difference is awesome because it's like those math problems in college, when trains move in the opposite direction, they get far away quickly. So it's similar, like they're working the opposite directions, but for your favor. And then the other part of the trifecta is cash flow. So for this specific property, it was worth 125,000, you know, seven years ago. Now it's worth 200 or probably a little around 200 for simple math. So it's gone up 75 grand in value. And the debt payment has got paid down at least 25 grand. So that 25 grand in equity, which is, you know, it was worth 125, we owed 100. Now it's worth 200, we owe 75 and we've refinanced, but for what we've made on it is 125 grand. And that's one property and we didn't do anything but maintain the property. And then also assuming a couple hundred bucks a month cash flow, you know, trying to just keep it simple. We've made about $17,000 on that one property cash flow that's tax-free because of depreciation. So we've made 17 grand tax-free over seven years, whipping not a big deal, but we've also made 125 grand equity over seven years. And that w- one property, but due times 10, that would mean we would have made 1.25 million times 20. That means we would have made two and a half million, like times a hundred, like 12 million. So you can do it times multiple properties. And as they all compound and snowball, you can create a lot of wealth fast. Yep. That's, that's beautiful. There's actually you know, a couple more detailed ways to get paid on that house too. But those are the big three right there. Maybe we'll go into detail, do a separate episode on the uh, the trifecta that you call it, but um, super cool. Awesome. All right. Well, if you have not given this episode or this show a five-star review, it's not the end of the world, but it'd be a lot cooler if you did. I'm trying to like get some like 
you know, hello at the beginning, cool if you did the end, and Lucas just loves it. But if you haven't given us a five-star review, we would appreciate that. Um, a review would be great. Yeah, and we'd, we'd really like that because we're having a lot of fun with this. It's getting a lot of traction, and we're seeming to get a lot of listeners, and the more reviews we get, the more listeners we get. So we like we want to keep doing this, and the, the more we get, the, the happier Lucas will be, and we want Lucas to be happy. That's true. Yeah. If I'm not happy, Happy Lucas, no happy, happy life. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, see you guys on the next one. See you. Thanks for listening to today's episode. We hope you got some major value from our conversation. If you love what you learn, make sure you like, rate, review the show, and help us spread the word by telling a friend. If you'd like to learn more about working with me inside one of my programs, we'll have those links in the show notes, along with all our social media handles, so you connect with us there for free. If there's a real estate question you'd like us to answer, feel free to send us a message and we'll cover it in an upcoming show.